This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. Happy Draft Day. It's Thursday, April 23rd, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Trey Scott. Yeah, so it is draft day. The 2020 NFL Draft first round kicks off tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, NFL Network, ABC. Everyone's doing it together this year for the virtual NFL draft, which will be, I think the picks will be announced from Roger Goodell's basement. And then we'll see how everything goes with all the, the technology and the zooms and the, you know, will all the GMs remember to meet themselves at the same time and all that stuff. So anyway, it is draft day. It's kind of bittersweet though, right? So without sports, this has been something that we've been looking forward to for months. And I always look forward to the draft anyway. It's one of my favorite sporting events of the year, but this year, especially it's been something that we've been talking about and wringing every last drop of content out of. So it's bittersweet because it's finally here and it's going to be a lot of fun. But at the same time, we've devoted a lot of our time to draft coverage, draft speculation. And in a matter of hours, matter of days, it's all going to be over. Friday has rounds two and three. Saturday is rounds four and seven. By Sunday, we will be sort of wondering what's next as far as what to cover. And that will then probably see us turn our attention to the coronavirus pandemic. Anyway, I've got on the podcast today, CBSSports.com's Josh Edwards, who writes about the NFL draft. He's been doing a ton of mock drafts. Uh, like This guy is a prolific mock drafter. He's got one hot off the presses. I want to talk to him about it. I want to see if he's got anything up his sleeve to surprise us with. All right, bringing in Josh Edwards. Josh, I was asking you before we started, but what number of mock draft are we on? So this is number 39. Um, I started with CBS in the middle of September, and you know my, my first mock was due that week, and it's been one a week ever since then. And then uh, the final one came out today, Wednesday. That's exciting. It's I really like your mock. Just before we start, not to butter you up or anything, but your mock kind of looks like how I would do it. Uh, I think it'd, it'd be interesting to go back and look at all the variations of the mocks and you know who probably started as n- at number one. There's no way uh, I would guess that you might have had Joe Burrow number one when you first started. Maybe that was Tua. Do you remember? I would assume it was probably Tua. There's no way it was Joe Burrow. Nobody saw the kind of season that he had coming. Um, in September. So I know it was not, I know it was not Joe Burrow, but if I had to guess, it would probably be Tua. It just kind of depends on who had the number one pick in that mock. No, no question. All right, well, let's get started. So number one, obviously we, and we don't, we're not going to, you know, spend too much time on every selection or time on it, every selection period, but Joe Burrow, number one to the Bengals. That's no surprise for college football fans. Something though, I found, found myself wondering Andy Dalton's there in Cincinnati. He has a contract through 2020 you know, could be on the trade block. How quickly, uh, you know, as a draft guy, do you expect Joe Burrow to be the starter in Cincinnati from day one? 
Oh, I think he's I think he's going to be the starter week one, which, you know, again, if we have a week one, it's kind of dependent upon that. But um, Andy Dalton, to my knowledge, has kind of made it clear that if they do truly draft a quarterback, he would prefer to be given an opportunity elsewhere, whether that's through his release or in a trade scenario. So um, we don't know what the Patriots are going to do. There's a number of teams that could potentially be in the market for a veteran quarterback. Jacksonville comes to mind. Um, so there's going to be some options after we get through this draft class. Once the dust kind of settles, I would, I would kind of be surprised if Dalton was even on the roster when we start the season. Gotcha. Yeah. That for me, that's like the last question I had for Burrow. All right. Number two, Chase Young to the Redskins. No surprise. All right. Number three. I like this one Tua Tungo Vailoa. You've got the dolphins moving up in a, tr- in a trade with the lions. And then at six, you're going to have Justin Herbert off the board with the chargers. When you look at Tua and Herbert, I think all college football fans would agree with you. It's Tua every single day of the week. Uh, what, what drives that home for you over Herbert? Well, I think it's the intangibles that he brings to the table. He's he's an accurate quarterback, of course, but his leadership is off the charts. I mean, everybody that speaks about Tua Tagovailoa does it with glowing praise. So um, you kind of know that you're not only getting this consistent player at the quarterback position, but at the same time, you're also getting a guy that's going to be able to help change the culture in your locker room, which is something that's very important in Miami. I mean, you see what they came from the new England Patriots system where the Patriots had Tom Brady and Tom Brady set the expectations. He and he, he and Bill Belichick set the expectations for that organization. And it was pivotal in setting the course for their next two decades of football. So um, I think Miami kind of has similar hopes for Tua Tonga because he is that kind of guy that the Pied Piper, the guy that's, it's going to rally everybody and and uh, put their best foot forward on Sunday. But Justin Herbert, I think he's got to end up in the right situation. He's got a lot of talent as well. Um, I don't think the Oregon system was was best suited to kind of display his talents. But I think if he gets in the right system, he his his potential is going to be unlocked at the next level. Yeah, there's a lot of no- a lot of noise, and you alluded to this in your mock Jeff. You you said smoke screens about we're seeing noise that the, the Lions do want to move down from three, that the Dolphins do want to move up. So the question then, you know, is, is it two or Justin? I hope, you know, my guess, my take would be that it needs to be Tua. Justin Herbert kind of feels like the guy that NFL draft scouts talk themselves into that, and the rest of us are kind of like left wondering why. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I like that. That would pump me up, two at, two at three to the Dolphins. All right, number four. Jedrick Wills, you mentioned him, and that's the Giants' offensive tackle from Alabama, so back-to-back tied. You, you call him the safest pick here at, when it's Wills versus Tristan Wurst of Iowa, who's sort of the, the athletic raw upside guy. I want, I want to ask you to dive in on that. That makes sense for the, for the Giants. I'm sure they'd be tempted by a few other guys, but you already drafted Saquon and Daniel Jones. You got you got to protect those guys. Jeff Okuda to the Lions at five with that trade of the Dolphins. You have them pegged with the guy they've been linked to this whole time. Herbert already talked about six. All right, this one's interesting. Isaiah Simmons, if he falls to seven, Matt Rule and the Panthers would be thrilled, Josh. Yeah, no question. I continue going back to the fact that when Matt Rule was at Baylor, he built his program based on athleticism so he was taking guys that maybe were not the most highly rated um, maybe there were still a lot of development that needed to take place but he was willing to gamble on the athleticism um, of these prospects that he was bringing into the, his program and I think Isaiah Simmons 
is kind of the epitome of, of versatility and athleticism. He's a guy that um, can drop back into coverage. He's a guy that can rush the passer. He does a little bit of everything. Obviously, wherever he lands, they're going to have to scheme him, you know, to to be able to utilize those assets because he's not going to be, um, you know, the best fit in every kind of system. You got to be willing to kind of adapt what you're looking to do on that side of the ball to really utilize him to his best skill set. Um, but you know, they they have a need there. They got Luke Keekley Luke Keely moved on this offseason, so they have a need at the position, but. Um, for me, it's probably either Derek Brown or Isaiah Simmons. I just go back and forth, and to me, I think the athleticism thing kind of pushes Isaiah Simmons over the top. Isaiah Simmons was maybe my favorite player in college football this past year. I saw the Tigers play like five times in person, and Simmons had first-round buzz when the season started, but as the year went on, obviously, everyone started to recognize his value. And I mean, he could, he just does everything. He reminds me of Derwin James from a few years ago. And I like what you said of that about, you have to adapt your system to him. Sort of reminds me about Lamar Jackson, like what the Ravens did to retool their offense around him. Like if you draft Isaiah Simmons and you cannot make it work, that's on you. That's not on him because he can do everything. So I like that pick at seven to the Panthers. That's a good one. Number eight, uh, you got the Cardinals. Okay, Arizona Cardinals. I was hoping you would give Kyler Murray yet another incredible receiver to top things off with DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald for another year, Christian Kirk. But you went with Tristan Wirfs. That's probably the smart move, Josh. If we were playing Madden, we might have gone receiver. But I, I think offensive tackle is smart there. Had you originally done receiver for them before they got Hopkins? Yeah, I've linked them to wide receivers at various points in the process. I think Jerry Judy was a pretty popular pick there for quite some time works is just a guy that can step in. He can man the right side. They, they obviously locked up DJ Humphreys this off season. So they're feeling pretty good on the left side. I think to be able to maximize Kyler's potential, you need to have a guy that's going to be able to uh, contribute there on the right side as well. You can't have much of a liability on that side. And I think Tristan works, even if you did decide um, you know, he's better playing inside. I think his upside, even as an interior offensive lineman, is even greater when you look at his his uh, his frame and everything like that. I think he could be a really special guard. But um, to me, because of the offensive tackle play in the NFL, it's pretty lacking across the league. So I would stick him at right tackle and feel pretty confident in it. But I think that's really going to allow Cliff Kingsbury to kind of open up his offense with with DeAndre Hopkins and with Kenyon Drake and with Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. And, you know, they've got all these weapons. Um, so to get him some offensive line help, I think that is, that's a, a key priority for them. I love this. You're giving us NFL nuance. Like I didn't know they had locked up their left tackle. So that this is good stuff. Jaguars, Derek Brown. Uh, we'll move on from that one. You know, the Auburn defensive tackle at number nine, he came back to school, improved on his draft stock. Good for him. We've clearly got a run of offensive tackles now. Andrew Thomas at 10. You've got to the Browns. Yet another case of a team investing in a quarterback who they selected either first, like the Cardinals did, or in the first round, like the Giants did with Daniel Jones and taking an offensive tackle. You know, him, you've got him going at 10. You've got Makai Becton at 11 to the Jets. Same situation, protecting Sam Darnold. This is... Are all four of these guys, Josh, are probably, I mean, with the exception of maybe Wills, what the, what's the drop off as, as you go, as you go, Wills, Wirfs, Thomas, Becks, and all of these guys are possibly franchise players. Yeah, no question. I think you, 
should feel comfortable mostly with Thomas and with with Wills. Um, I think those are the safer of the the two, uh, the safer two of the four options. Becton's upside is off the charts. I've heard multiple people use the phrase Hall of Fame potential um, in regards to him, and I think that's absolutely correct. When you look at his size alone, it's going to be difficult for opposing pass rushers to get through him, to get around him, anything. I mean, he is he's a special kind of dude, and, and if you allow him to continue to grow, he's only going to be even better. So to me, I would feel comfortable with Cleveland taking either Tom or actually I would feel comfortable with Cleveland taking any of them. You could kind of put them in any order. It depends on what you're looking for. But like you noted, I think what's most important here is you see Cleveland, you see New York investing in that offensive line and investing in these young quarterbacks that they drafted a couple years earlier because um, that's really going to keep them healthy, which, you know, the best ability is availability. And if those guys are not on the field, um, then, then you've really done a disservice to them in the offseason. You mentioned the Jets. They're going to want a receiver eventually, and it might be hard to take their number four tackle when any of the receivers are, are are looming on the board. And as we move on the draft, we go to pick 12, and now you begin your receiver run. You've got the Las Vegas Raiders taking Jerry Judy. You mentioned this in your write-up. They love the Alabama development. Last year, uh, John Gruden took, took the, a lot of players who played in the national title game between Clemson and Alabama, and the joke was that was the the game he watched, but he liked that they've competed for championships. So you go Judy at 12, you go Henry Ruggs at 13, uh, skip a receiver at 14. You've got CJ Henderson to the Falcons and you've got CD lamb at 15 to the Broncos. Those three receivers. I'm going to, I've talked myself into liking CD lamb the most. Tell me how you sort of have sorted through this receiver pecking order, which is incredible and elite and how you landed with Judy Ruggs lamb. Yeah, so I actually do like C.D. Lamb the most as well. I think oh, okay. is a little bit more. But the way that I think these teams are looking at it, you have the Raiders. I mean, you know, like we like we discussed, they love Alabama. They love Clemson. So I gave them an Alabama wide receiver. You look at San Francisco at 13. They just got beat by Tyree Kill and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, it's a copycat league. I see them looking at the Chiefs and saying we need a guy that's got that kind of speed and you know that's no disrespect to Debo Samuel but Henry Ruggs has different kind of speed so I see him being a natural fit there at number 13 and then to skip down to Denver at 15 I don't think CeeDee Lane would be their choice of those wide receivers I think he would probably be the third option in fact but uh, that's probably why we've heard rumors that they could possibly trade up um, in the first round but He's the third wide receiver left at this point in time. And I think if you're able to add another downfield threat alongside Noah Fant at tight end, Cortland Sutton at wide receiver, who played fantastic last year after they got rid of Emmanuel Sanders, um, that's going to give Drew Locke so many options, you know, at the wide receiver, the tight end positions. That's going to allow him to have a more successful second season. Now they do need to come back around and get some offensive line help, but as I look at these wide receivers, that was the kind of thought process that, that went into it for me. It wasn't necessarily who do I like the best. It was a matter of, okay, what have these teams done in the past? Um, you know, what might be their thought process as they come on the clock with each of these positions? So with the board the way it is, that's kind of how I see it stacking up. But I would not be surprised to see Denver try to move up and get one of those Alabama receivers. The College Football Daily will be right back. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Everyone's t- everyone's talking about the Eagles making a move. They they got to make a move. Everyone's saying receiver. You've got them jumping up to pick number sixteen, and we're going to continue the receiver run. Justin Jefferson, LSU, total. You would never. No one ever would have had him in the first round in September or or October, and he's he's climbed. I like that you mentioned he's. You've got him closer to the top group of the receivers, the Lambs, Rugs, Judies, than than your bottom first rounders. All right, seventeen. Jordan Love, you got the Patriots trading up with the Cowboys. So this one would be, there's a lot of good content here to take Tom Brady's replacement. Jordan Love, when did this guy start to trend upwards on everybody's mock drafts? Well, I think you have to look at the potential. Um, you know, if, if anything, he's probably trended down from his 2018 season because his 2018 season, he threw 32 touchdowns. Uh, six interceptions and then followed it up the, the following year with 17 interceptions. So uh, you're trying to figure out what led to the diminished production. And, you know, he had some coaching staff changes. He lost a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, they had a pretty, pretty solid schedule this past year too. I look at him as having some Patrick Mahomes kind of qualities with his ability to throw from different arm angles. He's able to throw on the run um, but at the same time, there's a lot of development here. And, and even Patrick Mahomes didn't start most of his rookie season. So he's going to need to be in a position where he can sit and learn a little bit um, and kind of learn the game, learn how to process things before the snap, all that kind of stuff. But when you look at his play, he throws with nice touch. It is inconsistent. He's got a really strong arm, potentially the most arm talent of any quarterback in this draft class. Um and then, you know, you're kind of banking on the upside. That's the only reason that he, he's here at 17. If he was more of a finished product, the Patriots wouldn't have even had a chance to select him. Now, I don't know if New England even wants a quarterback. You know, we keep hearing that they're fine with Jarrett Stidham, and maybe that's true. I've heard a number of teams try to sell me a bill of goods in the past as well. I mean, Los Angeles is trying to do the same thing with Tyrod Taylor, and a lot of people probably believe that at the time when uh you know cleveland was taking a quarterback a couple of years ago so we've already seen that situation play out um and that's kind of why i see the patriots possibly taking a quarterback i could also see maybe the saints maybe the saints are looking for a guy that can eventually take over for drew Brees if they believe that Taysom hill is not the answer so there's definitely some strategy some some misguidance some misdirection that these teams are are trying to put out there in the media right now and I think that's the most intriguing part of this draft is we truly do not know what teams think of this quarterback class beyond Joe Burrow. That's really interesting. It's like we've got those three locks unless two of falls or something for a top 10 quarterback selections. And then you've got, you know, Jordan Love just sitting out there. That's that's good. All right. 18, Josh Jones, the Houston lineman. He goes to Miami. We talked about Josh Jones earlier in the week on the podcast. 19, Javon Kinlaw. Goes to the Raiders, the South Carolina defensive tackle off the board, and you have him as a top ten talent at twenty. The Jaguars keep going defensive. AJ Terrell, cornerback from Clemson, 
Buccaneers uh, get an offensive lineman, Ezra Cleveland, out of Boise State to protect Tom Brady. I'm, I'm going to come to you in two more picks. All right. Uh, my, the Vikings take Yutura Gross Matos from Penn State at 22. And then, Josh, you've got the Cowboys, Xavier McKinney from Alabama at 23. He's actually the first safety off the board, so I guess this is kind of a bad safety class. But Xavier McKinney was a, a pretty good player in college who's I really haven't seen much draft buzz outside of, you know, he's getting picked in the twenties. What do you like about him? I love his game. He kind of reminds me of Minka Fitzpatrick, honestly, which is why I've kind of had him going to the dolphins in previous mocks because he has a similar skill set. but you know, he can play safety, but I also think he could play nickel. Um, I think you could even really stretch and he could play the boundary cornerback position as well. I don't think any team is going to ask him to do that, but I think he's got that kind of a capability. Um, so Dallas desperately needs some safety help. They need secondary help in general. I know they signed ha ha Clinton Dix, but, um, at the same time, you know, he's a journeyman at this point, you can't really count on him and he signed a one year deal. So Dallas is even saying that they don't really count on him. Um, so I look for them to get a longer term fit. This is a guy that is incredibly smart. He's been well coached under Nick Saban. He can step in immediately and, and, provide some leadership um, to that Dallas secondary who has added a couple veterans uh, up front to that defensive line. And I think they're trying to compete again this coming year with, with Mike McCarthy. Outside of Isaiah Simmons, it's an interesting year. I mean, of course he's interesting, but the, the linebacker pecking order, I've seen different things. I've seen Patrick Queen, number one, or after Isaiah, I've seen Kenneth Murray. I've seen Willie Gay getting a lot of love. You've got pick 24, Kenneth Murray, the aforementioned Oklahoma linebacker going to the Saints. This is sort of sideline to sideline terror. Could be a perfect fit in the modern day NFL, right? No question. I love Kenneth Murray. He is, as you said, the prototypical modern NFL linebacker who is capable of covering sideline to sideline, every single blade of grass, um, really active player, really fun to watch. He does need to become more disciplined at times because he does lose, lose gap control. Um, but I love everything about him. I think he's a really fun player. I think he's going to be able to provide a spark to any team that he that he joins. Um, but beyond his athleticism, he is a top quality human being. I mean, if you hear his story, uh, um, you know, with his family and everything, it's it's pretty remarkable what he's gone through. Um, and he's he's not going to big time you when you speak to him. I mean, he's he's a legitimate um, nice guy who's going to fit in immediately in any locker room. Everybody's going to love him. So. Uh, you're not only getting a good football player, you're getting a good person in the locker room as well. Round one, pick 25. You've got the Vikings taking the Utah cornerback, Jalen Johnson. You mentioned, I, I did not know that Trey Waynes, his time was already up. Xavier Rhodes, Mackenzie Alexander. So that that's a good get for the Vikings. AJ Epinesa at 26 to the Dolphins in a trade with the Texans. AJ probably thought when the season started in, in August, he might be a higher pick than 26, but he stays in the first round. 27, I got circled here. Grant Delpit, the LSU safety going to the Seahawks. This kind of feels like a Legion of Boom makeover. He feels like Cam Chancellor's size. All right, you must love Delpit because you are one of the few people I am still seeing who has Delpit in the first round because everyone seems to be concerned about his 2019 season in which he won a Thorpe, but he had a lot of issues with tackling. He certainly did have a lot of issues with tackling, and unfortunately, that's kind of become... Um, a staple with LSU defensive backs recently. Christian Fulton, Greedy Williams had similar issues. Um, Delpit 
told us at the combine that he dealt with a high ankle sprain for most of the season. And, you know, maybe I'm a sucker for believing him, but when I watched the 2018 tape, I see a top 10 caliber talent and something just does not add up because you see him in 2019. It's a different player. Um, so for me, I'm kind of banking on him actually returning more to that 2018 form. Uh, similar to probably the conversation that many teams are having with Jordan Love. But you kind of have to balance, you know, where these prospects should go. Because based on 2018, he's a top 10 player. Based on 2019, he's probably more of a third round pick, quite quite frankly. But to me, you kind of have to take somewhere in between. Um, and if he was truly in form as a two, his 2018 form, he would be a top 10 talent. So that's the only reason that he's even on the board at this particular point in time. Um, Seattle has already, you know, gone out and got Quentin Dunbar. They've got Shaquille, Gri- or Shaquille Griffin at the cornerback position. They traded for Quandre Diggs last year. Um, they've got Bradley McDougal there as well. But I think Grant Delpit can ultimately take over for McDougal and kind of give them, like you said, closer to a Legion of Boom kind of, kind of thing going on there because his ball skills are phenomenal. Um, and he's going to make you feel the pain anytime that he does make contact with you. But but tackling is certainly an issue. Um, I know Seattle values that more than anything. So that's probably my biggest concern with this pick. But I love the talent. I love the fit. I love what it could become. Um, and for me, Grant Delpit was just too good of a player to, to possibly let slip into the second round. Yeah, I appreciate the Quandre Diggs reference. That's the only time a Texas Longhorn is going to get mentioned in anyone's first-round mock draft. All right, moving on. You're going LSU heavy. Patrick Queen, 28 overall, the linebacker to the Ravens. And then I want to talk about this one. 29 overall, Tennessee Titans, Caleb on Chase on. And he, I never know if I say that name right. So, and he, okay, good. So this is this guy, we had him as a five-star in the top 247 a few years ago. Never really hit his potential in college. And I'm a little bit scared of you using a first round pick on him because he's just a little raw. It seems like you're just believing he's going to, he's going to get to his potential. Explain this one to me. See, I don't see him as being as raw as, as maybe some people um, tend to believe. I think he's pretty good in coverage. I think he's solid in run support. I, I see the potential that he can offer as a pass rusher. Um, he's got pretty good bend around the edge. He uses his hands well. I really like him. I value him as a much higher prospect than 29 overall. Um, you know, there's obviously going to be some concerns with LSU's track record. Uh, you know, they, they did have Daniil Hunter, but, but they also had Barkevius Mingo. So there is some certain, you know, uh, some teams are a little scared to take a chance on him for the development that LSU has, has kind of shown at the pass rusher position over the years, you know, Arden key similar. That's really interesting. No, I totally forgot about Barkevius Mingo. Yes. That, that's why I'm scared. I didn't even realize this is why I'm scared of Kalev on chase on Barkevius Mingo. Well, that's, that's interesting. Um, and while we're at it, just cause Jadavian Clowney was such a big deal. He's still not signed. You mentioned that in your mock draft, like he's kind of looming over, this whole ordeal, you know, Tennessee needs a pass rusher, an edge rusher. They could get, they could sign Clowney. I saw uh, he could re-sign with the Seahawks, so that could that could swing some stuff. Um, pick number thirty to the Packers, Brandon Ayu, the Arizona State product, blew up really dynamic. Aaron Rodgers would like you. 
right now. Cesar Ruiz, Michigan center, goes 31 to the Giants in a trade. So you've got the Giants solidifying this offensive line with Jedrick Wills and Cesar Ruiz. You might as well because, you know, you took Saquon Barkley number two overall a few years ago. And then Jeff Gladney, Gladney, I'm sorry, the TCU cornerback going 32 to the Chiefs. As we send you out, Josh, I got to know, no running backs here. Uh, uh, you don't have a running back off the board until scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. DeAndre Swift, 42 overall in the second round to the, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So is this a statement of you don't think that's a good value pick in the first round, or or do you really just not think this is going to happen? Um, I don't think it's going it, to. Yeah, it, it's it's both. That's exactly right. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, at the same time, I also don't think that the value is there either because the running back position has kind of been devalued across the NFL. I mean, there's as many. If you look at the two deep depth charts across the NFL, there are as many first round picks as there are undrafted free agents in the first and the second, you know, the, the two deep depth charts across the NFL. That tells you a lot because one, it tells you either teams are not valuing the position in the first round, or it's telling you that you can find just as good of a player as an undrafted free agent as possibly, you know, in the first round. We're also seeing teams that divvy out these huge contracts to second contracts to running backs and it has not panned out. Todd Gurley, David Johnson has not worked out. So you're almost getting to the point where you probably take a running back in the middle rounds, um, run him for four or five years. You know, if you take him in the first round, you get that fifth year option. Um, you run him four or five years and then you move on to another middle round back. That's kind of the, the trend that we're probably looking at here soon with the running back position. So I look at Baltimore as a possible sleeper to take a running back. I think the Chiefs could possibly take a running back simply because it is a luxury position. And if you're in a position to take a luxury player, there's no better opportunity than after winning the Super Bowl. And then the Dolphins would be the third team that I kind of look at at number 26 because you've got three first round picks. I just talked about luxury. There's no more luxury than having three first round picks. So those are three teams that I could see taking DeAndre Swift in the first round. I still think it's probably more likely that we see him go atop um, the second round. And I, I've had him going to the Dolphins quite a bit in these mock draft scenarios, but I had them trading their number 39 pick to uh, um, to Detroit in part of their trade scenario for Tuatanga Bailoa. So um, that wasn't an option here. I could see it happening, but I don't think it'll happen. It's It's crazy. We're only a few years removed from, Saquon Barkley going second overall and you just know now like that would never happen even though he's just a transcendent talent just because I mean you said it they have to pay these guys massive money Christian McCaffrey just broke the bank so this is good stuff Josh I like this mock draft um this is probably the one of all the ones I've seen this is the most agreeable to me so thanks for coming on Josh Edwards NFL draft writer for cbssports.com good luck tomorrow or, or tonight where this is there on Thursday morning so good luck tonight yeah, you got it, man. All right, good stuff from Josh. You know, we're going to hold him accountable and see how he does with his mock draft. I think a good score on the mocks is like if you can get 20 of the right players, just period, first rounders, because it's, it's that's hard. And outside of, you know, Joe Burrow 1 and Chase Young 2, if you can get, you know, three or four exact fits, then in my book, that's a good job. So, 
we'll see how he does. We'll see how everybody does. Really excited for the draft. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back Friday to recap it. Maybe look ahead in the next few episodes of what could happen in 2021 for college football's NFL draft. But for now, that's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. For Josh Edwards, for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott. We will see you on Friday after the draft for the next edition of the College Football Daily.